Welcome to Let's Do Business, hosted by Alma Bañuelos, San Diego Unified's podcast. We are so excited to have Tanya Counts with us for today's session, Responding to Government Bid Solicitations. Tanya has been with PTAC now, Apex Accelerator, since 2020, and has already established a strong reputation as a counselor to meet for vendors interested in working with government agencies. Her professional and educational background is in economic development, and she has over 15 years of experience working with businesses. Her specialty is in local government contracting and entrepreneurship. Prior to joining PTAC in January 2020, Tanya was a manager in the Economic Development Department's Small Business Office for the City of San Antonio. In that role, she was responsible for managing over 2,000 contracts for the city, managing Launch SA, which is the city's entrepreneurship center, the city's loan buy down program, as well as a culinary incubator. Yum. Tanya managed the Citywide Diversity Action Plan Subcommittee, as well as served on the Citywide Equity Committee. Tanya is a native of California and received her bachelor's degree in economics from CSULB and a master's in nonprofit management from UNLV, both really fun colleges, Tanya. (laughs) Tanya is, is a certified contract compliance administrator, as well as an equity trainer. She has also served on various small business selection and advisory committees. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you for having me, Alma. I'm excited to uh, be able to speak with you today. Yes, you know, um, like I, I've, we talked about before, when before before meeting here today, uh, you are really a person that folks are excited to meet with. And in talking to Mike, you know, not only did he really suggest you for this topic, but also he just mentioned how folks are really happy and excited, kind of even motor like regenerated some energy you know in them after they talk to you um so just on behalf of the small business community thank you for all of that you do for the small businesses and really getting them excited about government contracts well thank you and and i love what i do and i love uh working with our clients and and helping them and seeing their success yeah awesome So let's just get right to it. You know, responding to government bid solicitations, sometimes the businesses, as I'm sure you've probably experienced, folks that are new to bidding government contracts, they're usually really doing well in the private sector. Um, They've already established themselves. You know, maybe it's a construction company working on the residential side of the house or even vendors or entrepreneurs that have worked, you know, um, in the private arena. Uh, they've, they're pretty comfortable with those terms and conditions, contracting in that manner, looking for bids or, or solicitation or work in the private arena. Government bid solicitations, they're a whole different uh, animal in and of itself. What are some things that you think a company should consider if they want to start bidding to government contracts? And, and you're right, government contracting is uh, so different than um, working in the private sector. Um, one of the first things that they should consider is that uh, with government contracting, really networking is the key. So that's the key to uh, finding the opportunities and 
you know, also getting the bid. So that's uh, one of the keys to uh, government contracting, as well as it takes a lot of patience and persistence Mm -hmm. uh, just to get your foot in the door with government contracting. Um, Some things that they might not be familiar with if they only worked in the private sector are just the different certifications that you can get that will help you uh, get your foot in the door with government contracting. Excellent. So when someone's looking at one of those, you know, solicitations for a bid, you know, what are some things that you think in the bid folks should look out for that maybe they're not used to seeing like on the private sector, I'm thinking, you know, maybe bonding or insurance or any of those things. Yes. So, I mean, one of the things that that they should know about government solicitations is that they can be really long. Mm -hmm. They can be like 50 to 100 pages. And it's important that you do read all of those uh, pages. They have a lot of what we consider boilerplate language in there. And it's the different FAR clauses that may apply uh, to your particular contract. So that that's probably something um, that they're not used to seeing when, when they're looking at that. Um, another uh, thing that they should be aware of is that with government contracting, I mean, it's really um, important that you follow the instructions exactly. And sometimes they can be so detailed as to what font you should use, what mm-hmm. size the font should be, how mm-hmm. many pages, and you really need to follow those directions. Mm-hmm. So if they ask you for a blue binder, go down to Amazon or Office Depot, wherever it is, and find a blue binder because... And- you need to follow the directions. Because you need to follow the directions. And with government uh, contracting, uh, awardee is uh, selected um, based on responsiveness and responsibility. Mm. And so, which is, you know, different. And the way that the government uh, defines responsiveness, it's referring to your offer. Have you followed the instructions? Uh, Have you included all of the attachments? Um, Some examples would be uh, submitting your offer on time and to the right location. Your pricing information is complete. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your references are submitted in accordance with the instructions. Um, You're sticking to all of the page uh, limitations. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, some examples of being responsive and then responsibility is more so referring um, to you. Do you have the adequate financial resources? Uh, Can you comply with the delivery requirements? You know, this can include, you know, bonding, uh, fingerprinting. Um, Do you have good record of past performance? Mm -hmm. Um, So those are, you know, what they divine as responsible and you have to be both to be awarded a contract. Responsive and responsible key terms then definitely for a contract. Uh, You mentioned also, you know, um, responding exactly to what the bid is asking for, following directions, responding exactly to that. You know, we have a lot of vendors out there that have a lot of amazing products and new services and new uh, solutions to things that are going, that needs that uh, government agencies have. 
what would you say to a vendor that sees a bid that says, wow, this is something I could definitely help out with, but I want to provide something better. You know, I want to provide something, um, a product that's maybe the government agency doesn't know about, but I know they will really, this is a better solution to the need that they're soliciting for. Yes, and we have a lot of uh, very smart uh, business <laughs> owners who come up with great solutions. But, you know, generally speaking, in government contracting, um, you cannot submit a response, you know, with a different solution other than the one that the solicitation is asking for. Mm -hmm. um, if you do, you could be considered non-responsive and um, and again, if you're considered non-responsive, they may throw your bid out. However, mm -hmm. um, there are some solicitations that the, the government is looking for innovative ideas. So mm -hmm. sometimes that happens, but they clearly state that in the solicitation Excellent. that um, they are open to other solutions. Yeah. And I think that then goes back to what you said in the beginning about this. We, you got to read that whole solicitation, right? Because sometimes it sounds like folks then uh, government agencies are actually looking for ideas, proposals. Hey, you right. tell me, this is our issue. You tell me how you would take care of it. Right. Um, but other times they're saying we need exactly this uh, type of, you know, nails, these types of nails and screws and, you know, not an inch longer or shorter. This is exactly what we need. Right. Excellent. Okay. So folks for you out there, definitely read those solicitations. That's very important. And 50 pages, you know, that's a long solicitation. Yes. Sometimes these things take, you know, quite, a, quite some time. And for a small business, time is money. But if government, so government work and bidding on government solicitations is something that you have, uh, that you want for the future, then you're going to have to allocate some time. Would you say, uh, proposals or submitting proposals, responses to uh, requests for proposals uh, would take a little bit more time than maybe uh, in the private sector? Definitely. So, um, you know, the time that it takes to put together a good uh, proposal really does depend on the type of solicitation. There's mm -hmm. four uh, major types of solicitations in government mm -hmm. contracting. There's the RFQ, uh, which is the request uh, for quotation, the RFP, which is the request for proposal, the IFB, which is an invitation for bids, and the RFI, which is a request for information. So mm -hmm. out of all of those, uh, the RFP or the request proposal, proposal usually takes the most time. Mm -hmm. That generally takes you like 30 days to write a good proposal. And mm -hmm. that's from you know, reviewing the entire solicitation um, several times. Uh, we, we usually suggest that you put together teams like a red mm. and, and blue team, you know, one team to uh, review the entire solicitation, you know, another team to review it again so that you don't miss anything, but it will take mm. you, you know, I would say about 30 days depending upon the size of your staff to really put together a good proposal. Yeah, that's really good that you you have that amount of time ready, you know, to to answer because I think folks 
they think, okay, I'll just look at the solicitation. It's due on the 30th. I'll start working on it on the 28th. Sometimes it's too late. Sometimes it's it's too late, particularly if you're doing um, a request for proposal. And uh, one of the things that we do uh, offer our clients is that we are willing to uh, sit down to review a solicitation. If they are interested on bidding on it, we will review it. We will kind of help them understand the terminology mm-hmm. and and what the government is asking for. And, you know, one of the things we always look at is do, when is it due and do they really have time to put together a good proposal? Excellent. Oh, and that's a great service that you provide. You know, I think for, like you said, there's some folks that definitely have plenty of staff. They can establish their red team, blue team, right. you know, sit down, compare notes, talk about the needs that they see coming up on this uh, request uh, f- uh, or for proposals. Um, but some folks, they're, they're small shops, you know, they right. might be one to three, four people in the office, and they may, may not have the resources for all of that. So that's great that um, you all can provide, you know, hey, some assistance and providing just, you know, what is it going to take to actually provide a solid response for the solicitation? Awesome. All right. So, so we talked about time, um, and effort, you know, resources, uh, sometimes folks should keep some things in mind. I like to tell folks, especially with pre-qualification, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. pre-qualification is part of the deal that also is time consuming. And sometimes there's deadlines for that well before the due date. Right of, of the project. Um, I tell folks sometimes with pre-qualification that they should keep a file, uh, ready because a lot of the agencies, they'll be asking for the same things, right? right? They'll be saying, Hey, give us your, um, safety, um, safety score, give us your financials, give us this. What are some of the items that you think government agencies tend to ask for consistently, like across the board, um, things that folks should keep in mind and maybe have gathered so that they could be a little bit more ready and prepared when they're responding to solicitations? Um, That is a a great question because, you know, oftentimes we're asked, you know, if there is a template that Mm -hmm. they can just use for proposals. We're asked that all the time, but that really doesn't exist because (laughs) each solicitation is different depending on the type of solicitation, the requirements of the agency, the contracting officer. So that really doesn't exist, but there are things that you can prepare in advance for anticipation of a solicitation. So some of those items would be examples of work performed of similar size and scope. So that's something that's requested a lot in in proposals. They want you to be able to give examples of that, references. Mm -hmm. So they they want that. They want to check your, you know, past performance, um, evidence of financial capacity, resumes of the key personnel who are going to be working on the project. They want to see that because they want to make sure that you have qualified people on your team 
and then along with that the qualifications of the different team members you know if if it requires a certain certification or, or things like that they want to see that your team members have that and then uh, as you mentioned certifications and pre-approvals you could have those things ready excellent so i i like all of those things that you mentioned and things to keep in mind as you're working on prod on other projects uh, for our vendors and folks out there is if you have a really successful contract that's you know just going really well and is about to come to a close make sure that you tell someone you know either the project manager or whoever your contact is hey can i use this experience as a reference for future projects cuz you don't know how many folks will list me sometimes <laughs> as a reference um, because they know me from the school district, obviously, but uh, I can't speak to the work that they've done on, let's say, a project at Hoover High School or um, Joyner Elementary because I wasn't the project manager. So then sometimes I'm kind of scrambling, you know, with the vendor to try to figure out who the appropriate contact would be. So making sure that you line those things up beforehand. And even as you're working on projects, you know, you know your work, you know, when you're excelling in a certain project or contract, um, definitely start to build those things before you close out. So that when you're ready for a solicitation and need to provide references, you already have that information ready to go. Perfect. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, Alma, because you want to have um, recent work, you know, things yes. that are relevant and recent. So that is a great idea to do that. Yeah. So keeping those things up to date for sure. And right. also you mentioned um, resumes. You know, yes. sometimes we, we, and I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> I've been with the school district for quite some time now. Um, and you don't think, hey, I should update my resume, but sometimes that's necessary for future work. And right. not that you're leaving your company anytime soon, but you want to update those resumes as well. Right. Excellent. Very good. Um, so, you know, solicitations, they're, you know, government company, government agencies, local, state, federal, they all have very different, as you said, you know, requirements and needs. Right. That's why we need to read them through. And in the same sense, they also publicize all their opportunities in very different manners. Right. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, so they do uh, publicize their opportunities in different matters. If you are looking for federal opportunities, you're going to find those on SAM.gov. And that, again, is one of those registrations that you want to make sure that you have. So for federal solicitations, if you don't have an active SAM registration, you can't even bid on a project. Mm. So you're going to find the federal ones there for the state of California. You're going to find those solicitations on the Cal ePercure website. And again, you have to register to do business with them to be able to bid mm -hmm. on those projects. And then all of the local government agencies like the city of uh, San Diego, they have their own websites with opportunities. The city of San Diego uses Planet Bids. So you can register on Planet Bids uh, via the city of San Diego's website. And then you can see opportunities there as well. Excellent. And I'm glad you brought up Planet Bids because we use Planet Bids as well. We, the San Diego Unified School District. 
And lots of folks, when we're at networking events, you know, and they say, how do I find your bids? And I'll tell them we're on planet bids, uh, register. And they say, oh, I'm already registered. And I remind them, we all use different portals because of the very reasons that you talked about. You know, we all have very different requirements. Mm -hmm. So our portals and the information that we ask for are very different. So even though you've signed up on planet bids with the city of San Diego, you'll have to sign up again through San Diego Unified's portal to get San Diego Unified notifications and so on and so on. Exactly. And, and as I mentioned, all the different, um, Local governments, they all have their portals and you do have to sign up for those individually to be able to see their projects and bid on them. All right. So let's see, we've covered, you know, how to find bid solicitations, the different kinds of bid solicitations uh, or requests. There's four of them we talked about. We talked about things to keep in mind when you're reading through these 50-page solicitations at times. Um, And we've also talked about things to prepare in advance Mm -hmm. to potentially bid on a solicitation. Are there other requirements that new vendors to government contracts should be aware of that you've sometimes seen people miss, uh, you know, in the experience that you've had reviewing folks' responses to solicitations. Is there anything that maybe you think, gosh, I wish I could, you know, send folks home with this, these messages? So yeah, some of the other requirements. So some solicitations, they have contracting goals on them. So maybe if you're looking at the federal government, there may be a set aside contract for a woman owned small business. Well, in order to bid on that project, you have to have um, your certification through the SBA to be eligible to bid on that project. Sometimes there are small business set-asides for the federal government or disabled veteran-owned. So to be eligible for those particular uh, solicitations, you have to be certified. So that's a requirement that sometimes... um, vendors are not aware of Mm -hmm. and the set aside contracts are at the federal level Mm -hmm. at the state level they have um, preference points so say for example if you're a small business well you know you can receive five percent preference when you're price preference when you're bidding on contracts Um, so that that's also something to be aware of And, uh, you know, some of the other things, you know, depending on uh, the solicitations, there may be licenses, you know, Mm -hmm. that are required for particular solicitations, which is the importance of, you know, reading the solicitation in its entirety. Excellent. You know, I'm glad you brought up certifications because sometimes folks say, do these even matter? Are these even going to help me out at all? Um, it sounds like yes. In many cases, yes. Yes. It just depends what contract you're looking for. And hence, again, why you should be kind of trying to figure out, you know, which agency is going to be the best fit for me as well. Because I imagine a solicitation from, let's say, the federal side is going to probably take a certain amount of work and resources than maybe a solicitation from the city of Poway or... Right or the school district, right? Right, right, exactly. The federal solicitations, they 
they tend to be longer and, mm -hmm. you know, they tend to have uh, more requirements, as you mentioned, sometimes with the federal solicitations, there's also a requirement of past performance. So mm -hmm. if you're a new business, you know, trying to get your foot in the door, you may have to, you know, look at some of the local or state, you know, government contracts first or even consider subcontracting. Excellent. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I think that's another question that sometimes I get when oh, yeah. folks say, how am I supposed to break into contracting if I don't have experience and no one will give it to me without the prior experience? But subcontracting, even though some folks are like, oh, subcontracting. Right. And sometimes it's the only way. And sometimes it's a safe way also to get involved in federal contract, federal contracts, government contracts. It's right. a safer way to see if it's even a good fit for a new vendor coming to the government contracting side. Right. I think subcontracting is something that should always be considered because mm -hmm. it is a way to get your foot in the door. And the government looks at subcontracting as government contracting experience. Yes. So you can use that, you know, as government contracting experience. So, you know, it is something that you can, you should consider. And, um, you know, there are also things that, you know, you need to be aware of your, your subcontract agreement and all of that. But those are things that um, we can assist our clients with as well. Excellent. Um, and, you know, you mentioned also, when we were talking about reading the whole contract, you know, we we're talking about the requirements of government agencies, but also, uh, I'd like folks out there to also take that time to look through the contract and see if it's a good fit for themselves, right? This is right. also, you know, it's it's a two-way street. So the government is has a lot of requirements. There might be some go, no-go clauses that folks need to kind of consider as they're reading the contract. I'm thinking, you know, payment um, right. uh, options, things like that. Would you agree? I would totally agree. And, um, you know, we have a, a tool, which we call a goal, no go chart that we share with our clients. And it's just a, a list of things to consider to help you decide if this is an opportunity that you should go after. A, one of them is that you want to make sure that you have the capacity. You mm -hmm. don't want to take on a project that's too big for you. Yes. You want to make sure that you can pull the team together. If you, yeah. if you need to subcontract out portions of it, can you get the subcontractors? Um, the, the, the payment is huge because in government contracting, uh, you don't typically get money up front. You have right. to either provide the goods or the service, and then you're reimbursed. So you have to have the capital up front to be able to perform on the contract. So that is definitely uh, something that you should look at. And is this, you know, project, uh, is it a right fit for you, as you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah, excellent. I'm glad you have that tool. I didn't I didn't yeah. know you all had that tool. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yet another item that you could have in working with the amazing counselors over at Apex Accelerators. Thank you so much for all this information. Is there an, anything else that you want to kind of leave us with or just um, kind of tell folks about government uh, responding to bid solicitations? Yeah. 
So yeah, there's just uh, some tips that I like to share with my clients in terms of actually writing the proposal. So you want to uh, make your first your point first and then explain it. You want to be efficient. Uh, with your words, you want to convey your thoughts in fewer words. It needs to be concise. Um, and then everybody needs an editor. You need to make sure that you have somebody read through, edit it. That's also a service we offer our clients. We can't help our clients write proposals, but once they've written a draft, we can review it and provide them with feedback. So you want to have that. Um, you want to create your proposal outline from the RFP instructions. Again, it's crucial that you follow the instructions. You want to support your facts with um, statistics and reasons. And, you know, another thing about the, the use of graphics, use those sparingly. <laughs> and if you use them, uh, make sure they're emphasizing a point. Yes. So, you want to, you know, you want to make sure that you do that and then avoid sort of like overblown statements like, you know, collectively the experience of our staff is, you know, a hundred years, like you want to <laughs> avoid, you know, those kind of statements and just use simple language. Yeah. So that's what they're looking for, you know, in government contracting. And then, you know, another thing just from the proposal evaluators uh, point of view. I've been on those selection committees as an evaluator. Mm -hmm. um, we're reading a lot of proposals and it can be long, you know, so mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, they're going to skim through it, just looking for the relevant information, which is why it just needs to be concise and organized. Um, and then also, oftentimes there's only going to be one awardee selected and it can be sometimes hundreds of proposals yes. submitted so I mean the first thing reviewers are going to do they're going to look for those ones that they can weed out maybe mm -hmm. they didn't follow in the, the instructions so those get weeded out automatically um, so that's just uh, something to be aware of as well and again you just want to be um, concise and and to the point, and you want to make sure that you do a really good job in writing your proposal, because if you prepare a poor proposal, they're going to assume that you're going to perform poorly on a job. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's very important. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up your experience as an evaluator, because I think folks need to hear that, you know, we're, we're human too. And, and sometimes, yeah. you know, we have online bid systems, but, right. and, and sometimes if it's lowest bid, then it's lowest bid. And, you know, we just go by that number, but especially when you're responding to a proposal, that's when we're actually reading the proposals and the systems themselves will sometimes right. knock out bids if you haven't responded to everything. So if you've left an area blank, if like, let's say in the area where it says, drop all your resumes here, you know, if they're not there, 
then the system will say this bit is incomplete and we don't even get to read them. So very important to respond to everything. And even if it's not applicable to you to note somewhere on there, to write a letter, drop something in there that says, you know, this doesn't apply to me so that the system themselves, they don't knock you out of um, getting your, your proposal read. Oh my goodness. So I think we've covered so many things. Obviously we could talk about this for a long, long time. There's so many areas to cover with government bid solicitations. When you get into the weeds of, let's say, just federal contracting, just state contracting, and then all of the local governments that we have here, the county operates very different than the city and the school district would operate very different than both the city and the county. So, you know, there's so many areas where we could really delve into, but honestly, I think that it also depends on the vendors that you're talking to. So I'm so glad that folks like you are uh, willing and able to help uh, our vendors, uh, folks out there that are just starting or transferring over into government contracts. And, um, you know, just to cover some areas as well as what with what we talked about in summary of the items that we had gone over, make sure you read your solicitation. Very important that as you're reading the solicitation, you're reading it not just for the requirements of the contract, but also for the fit for you. Are these payment options going to be working for your uh, financials? Uh, are the deliverables, the time they expect you to submit these deliverables, is that going to be something doable for you? And also, as you're reading the solicitation, making sure that you create an outline for yourself for your proposal, making sure that you have all the requirements, including past experience, resumes, all that kind of stuff. And also keeping in mind that for government contracts, you're going to have additional requirements, a little different from the private sector things like insurance, fingerprinting, um, past work, safety scores, all kinds of stuff. So for any other questions, please reach out to Apex Accelerators, previously known as PTAC. There's local offices all throughout uh, the the country, uh, but for us in particular, all throughout Southern California. And we love the PTAC uh, folks that we've worked with for all these years. And they just keep getting better and better. So Tanya, I'm so glad that you're part of their team and so glad that you made time for us today as well. Thank you, Alma, for uh, inviting me. It was it was a pleasure. Yeah. And if you don't mind, hopefully we get to pick your brain for other topics as we uh, develop more uh, episodes and series for our Let's Do Business podcast. I would be glad to. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, folks. Well, thank you for your time. Um, That's it for this episode. And uh, let's stay dry out there. It's kind of raining for us today. Um, You might be listening to this on a sunny day, but hey, this is a reminder that it rains in California as well. So, (laughs) um, and and lucky for us because we need it. Well, (laughs) thanks everyone. Uh, And until next time, let's do business.